We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, historically, the body has been blamed for all of man's errors, his so-called sins and his weaknesses. The body makes him sick, and the body eventually dies. It's a little bit like a ball and chain we drag around with us, and the soul is a distant relative living so far away in heaven that we can't get there till we die. And whether we still believe those things or not, they're still rolling around in the unconscious as archetypal memory. So here's the $64,000 question. Why did we come here in a body if all it is is an encumbrance which we eventually dump in favor of heaven or the next incarnation? Is it the slave of the mind, pushed and cajoled and even whipped into shape? Is it like a devil meant to tempt us with all manner of intemperance? What is the point? Well, today we're going to delve into some of these mysteries with a little humor and a lot of wisdom. So if you're having trouble connecting the dots between body and soul today, if you're having trouble staying in your body, which a lot of people say they are, If you are having trouble realizing the body as soul, then this show is for you. So stay tuned for the full adventure. We are talking about the body because last week when we were talking to Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss, the psychiatrist who has became famous when he discovered that one of his patients was uh, having a past life regression when in fact he was just trying to hypnotize her. And uh, to his surprise and hers, they both grew exponentially as a result of their encounter. And um, he since has come to write many books about past life regression, many uh, lives, many masters being one of the most famous. And uh, one of the questions we talked about in there is, you know, what is the point? We were talking about the body and how we go from incarnation to incarnation and how we take on this body and then this body and then this body. And we were, and, and we were talking about the mystery behind this idea of, you know, why, why choose a body? Why did the soul choose body to do this? Why not just stay in the soul and do this? Well, I have a theory and we're going to talk about that theory today and we're going to ask some interesting questions as we go. My theory is that, uh, we came into a body in order to facilitate uh, a change in the universal energy. Prior to our episode here on planet Earth, or at least to our knowledge, prior to our episode here on planet Earth, we uh, were 
formless. All things were formless. And uh, if you read in uh, the text of Genesis, the Bible, the word used for God there in several places is Elohim, which is a us, not a not a he, definitely not a he, and not even a she, but a us, not a singular person, but a but a plural. Um, and that you know that us could be, if you think about it, and and certainly it's not just true in uh, the uh, Torah of the Hebrew Bible or the early cha- uh, books of the Christian Bible, but it's also true in other ancient texts as well that there's a we involved. There's a somebody, there's a, a presence of plural energies. Now, if you think in terms of plural, it sort of belies the sense of oneness. So, so I'm going to say it's a oneness. Okay, because I do believe all plural energies are one energy. All individuals are part of a oneness. All things are part of a oneness. So, so in the oneness, the oneness created form. Prior to that time, as far as we know, there was no such thing as form. So there was a real drastic change in universal energies at the point at which we came to be. We, along with all the rest of matter, we, along with, uh, in terms of how we understand ourselves as people in a body, we came to be present along with all the rest of matter. We inhabited matter. Our souls inhabited the matter of our bodies. And our bodies were inhabited by this, the, the soul energy. So, okay. Why did we choose a body? Well, I think the reason we chose a body was because we wanted to bring soul into body form. We chose matter because we wanted to animate all matter. We wanted to bring soul into form, in other words. Form was something new to the universe, and we wanted to make it into soul. But here's the problem. When something new comes to be, it has to experiment with its essence and find out who it is or what it is. And so that is the way of all creativity. It's like if I create a, a, a brushstroke on a painting, then that brushstroke is sort of defining itself. And as I work with the brushstroke, I'm, wor- I'm defining the brushstroke more and more as I work around it. So that singular brushstroke changes as I bring other things present into it. And I may even decide to erase the brush stroke all, breath, the brush stroke altogether, uh, in favor of some other brush stroke. So creativity, the process of creativity is just that, is a process and it goes on and on. It never stops. So a lot of people have a theory that once upon a time the earth was created. Boom. It was done. That was it. That's all there was to creation. And everything that's happened since then happened post creation. Um, I disagree with that theory. I don't think that we, uh, uh, that any creation is ever done. I think that once something begins to be created, it is not done until it's finished being created. That is the wonder of doing a piece of art, that everybody who looks at that piece of art is creating something different in their own perceptions of what that piece of art is. So it is constantly evolving. And, uh, and now you might say, well, the, the picture's not changing any. Well, uh, I don't know whether it is or not, because everybody sure is looking at it differently. Uh, so is the picture changing? Depends on who's looking at it. Um, so uh, this whole idea of creation is a very important, important and interesting thing when we think about 
bringing form, bringing soul into form. So here's what I think. I think that when we, when we created ourselves in form and form was in us, what we wanted to do was explore the whole dynamic of form. What is form? And one of the questions that form needed to ask was, well, if I'm now, if I'm different now from soul in that I've never been here before, well, Am I the same as soul? Am I separate from soul? What am I? And that question had to be answered. And we've been trying to answer that question ever since. And that is why uh, in the Garden of Eden we hear God uh, saying things like, um, you know, you, you're going to struggle. Because when, when duality took place, when we decided we were separate from God or had to at least find out if we were separate from God by living into an identity in which we were separate from God – uh, we, we were gonna struggle because duality says, I'm not one with God and therefore God is not taking care of me. I'm not one with God and therefore I, I don't have an instant supply like I had in the Garden of Eden. Again, a metaphor. Uh, I, I, I'm not one with God, therefore I don't know who I am and I've got to explore all the ramifications of what that could possibly mean. So we run the gamut from, Innocence, uh, you know, innocent child to Hitler, you know, in terms of what are the possibilities we could be. We can be all kinds of things and we can be several things at once. And what does that mean? What does that mean about who we actually are? So that whole journey has been taking place since the beginning. And so body is a part of that journey. And what we're doing with a body is we're taking that journey. We're, we're trying to, to formulate different ideas about what a body is. What does a body mean? Does a body mean that I should behave a certain way and think a certain way because I come from this family with these genetics? What does that mean? Uh, how much uh, does genetics influence environment? And here's another question. How much does environment influence genetics? Bruce Lipton says that we, we can influence our genes. Um, there's several other scientists out now, out there now that are exploring that. So how much of, of what we are doing here on earth is impacting the body and how much is the body impacting what we're doing here on earth? So these are really, really important questions because, um, you know, over the year, over the centuries, the body has been the, uh, considered to be the source of every one of the problems we have. It was the, it was our weakness. It was our vulnerability. It would, it would eventually die. And m- most people thought in terms of us having some kind of soul, but the soul was sort of this little small place inside the body, maybe. Or maybe it was out there in heaven somewhere and we had to attain it by being good people or getting saved or something like that. But what I believe is true is that the body is contained within the soul, not vice versa. And that when the body speaks with its amazing wisdom to us, it is actually speaking for the soul. Because the body and the soul are actually one. In other words, I believe that the molecules of my being, the molecules of my body, are one with divine energy. I believe that my body has such an enormous and amazing capacity to self-heal, to elongate life, to exercise in ways that uh, change my my the sense of myself as a part as a body, um, to uh, to correct things that I've done to my body. My body can correct those. Uh, 
um, all kinds of amazing things the body can do. The fact that I'm breathing in and out and talking right now is a freaking miracle. I, I, who, who, who made that happen? How does that get animated? What, what force inside of me is making that happen? Um, now, the scientists have told us over the years that what's making that happen is purely genetic and purely biologic. And once the thing gets set into place, it just keeps going and, and until some disease takes over and, and it stops going. Uh, and it isn't it. It is not an animated, uh, um, sense. It is not an energy. It isn't it. So the body has also been used. It's been very useful. We, we, we enslave it to, all kinds of workaholic tasks. We enslave it to our need to be skinny because that would make us have an image that would make people love us. Uh, we enslave our bodies to our agendas. And so we're, we don't realize how many ways we're ignoring what the body is trying to say to us because we're pushing the body. The body is not informing us. We're pushing it. So we're going to talk some more about this and how we can begin to begin to understand how to merge body and mind in a healing effort some more right after the break stay tuned for more the voice america seventh wave channel Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today about body as soul. 
What we said just before the break was that we had had learned to enslave the body to our own agendas, and we have indeed. So that body image is extremely important right now. We have people doing all kinds of work on their faces and on their bodies to improve, as we say, and enhance the body image. And image is an interesting word, don't you think? Uh, it, what it has to do, what it says is how we see how we see, that's what image is about, how we see. And so when we look in the mirror, very often what we do is leave our own bodies and go try to look at ourselves through other people's body, other people's eyes, so that we see ourselves as we think others see us. Of course, all that's a misperception. We can't see what others see in us. They see from their own perceptions and from their own agendas and stuff and garbage and all that. They don't see us how we think they see us. They only see us how we, uh, they only see us how they see us. But we think that we know what others want from us. And so we leave our bodies and we go outside of our bodies and we look at ourselves from that perspective of measurement. Measurement is one of the biggest problems we have here on planet Earth. You know, I think I, it's my belief that we are the only species that spends 99% of its time, if not 100% of its time, measuring itself to find out if it's worthy, to find out if it's good enough to fit some schemata, fit somebody else's agenda, fit some role, fit some uh, paradigm, fit some agenda. That's what we're doing. We're trying to measure ourselves all the time, whether it's because we're trying to decide whether or not we've sinned or if we're guilty for not serving others or if we're selfish or if we're thin enough or if we're fat enough or if we're, we're strong enough or if we're lean enough or if we're smart enough or, you know, all of those things. We are constantly measuring ourselves. And many of our comments that we make to other people have to do with that self-measurement. When we're defensive about what somebody said to us, it's because we're measuring ourselves according to what they said. And when we're, def- when we are the person criticizing, we're probably doing it because we need to measure ourselves against our own criticism of that other person. So I'm going to put you down, therefore I can feel better about myself. Um, these are ways that we, uh, we, we find fault with the body so that the body has to fit our agenda. And today in our high schools, we have a lot of bullying going on, not only because of sexual orientation, but also because of body image. Uh, high school, grammar school kids even are considered to be too fat or too thin or too tall or too, you know, their hair's not right or their eye color is weird or their color, their color of their skin is bad. We still have a lot of racism going on in our schools. And, and, you know, when it comes to sexual orientation, of course, that has to do with body, you know. Um, not only in terms of masculinity and femininity and the, the ways we look at those two things, but also in terms of, of um, sexuality as a body function. Um, we tend to think that sexual orientation has only to do with sexuality, uh, sex itself, you know, who you have sex with. Um, but it doesn't, of course. Sexuality has to do with who you fall in love with. People are not gay or or straight because they have sex with the same sex or with opposite sex. They are gay or straight because they fall in love with either the same sex or with the opposite sex. And transgenderism is another thing. Uh, people are made fun of and mocked and beat up and abused and even killed because their body does not seem to fit their idea of who they are. 
So there's this constant dissonance between who they are as authentic beings and what their body is informing them of what they should be. So how do you merge those two? Well, uh, for a lot of transgender people, that means changing the body to match the the inner being. I don't have any problem with that, but a lot of people do. And and they will say to us that, well, these people, there's something wrong with them because, uh, the, you know, they are not doing what everybody else does, and, and body gets mixed up in that. So this whole idea of what the body is all about is huge. And let's talk about illness. Illness means that uh, my body is weak. My body can become infirmed. Um, some people believe that if the, if the soul inhabits the body, that the soul will leave the body behind eventually when it dies and move on. And uh, But what I say is that the soul and the body are one. So when, when the body goes on, the body dies, what happens to it? Does it, is it also becoming a part of soul in another formless way? Or is there a sense that, uh, the body's just thrown away and put in the trash and we move on to another body and that's all we need to do? Certainly, if it's true that we incarnate, and I believe it is, into different lives, then, then we are using many different bodies. And so someone might say, you know, some people believe that when the, when the end time comes, we'll have one body. Well, what will that body be? Will it be a physical structure? Will it be a, a physical structure that is united with soul? Well, what will it be? Well, I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I don't think it's going to look exactly like what it looks like now because now we have limited it to, uh, these agendas we have, it's born and it can get sick and it dies. Um, I don't think those things are going to be possible one day once we evolve fully into our full essence of who we are. But right now, it's still possible. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is we have some ideas about what the body is for us. And I'm calling all of those ideas into question. I'm saying to us, Perhaps the body can be a different gender than the person's essence. Perhaps that can happen. Perhaps our ideas of what is feminine and what is masculine need to change drastically. Perhaps illness is not a permanent state for humanity. Perhaps death is not a permanent state for humanity. These are all perhapses because I can't forecast the future. What I can say is that in my own meditation and in the meditation of many people that I've talked to, there is this union that takes place between body and soul when we meditate. The body becomes more entranced. I have even had experiences, and I know that others have as well because they've told me about them, where my body feels like it cannot move. When I'm in a, in a, in that kind of a state, I cannot seem to move my body. It is so heavy and so peaceful that it just won't move. It's a state of utter stillness. It doesn't mean my heart stops beating or I stop breathing. I'm breathing and my heart is still beating, but there is something different happening in my body than happens when I'm not in that meditative state. So what's going on there? Um, I also know that I've had uh, things happen to me that can only be called uh, spontaneous healing. 
Uh, I've certainly talked to lots and lots of other people who've had experience of spontaneous healing. Is it really spontaneous or is the soul creating that? We call it spontaneous because we don't know what else to call it. And I'm calling it that now because that clearly tells us what I'm talking about. I don't call these things miracles because the word miracle implies something supernatural. I don't think these healing experiences are supernatural. I think they are ubernatural. I think they are the most natural of all natural things we can do. I think that once we are fully united, body with soul, soul with body, then we there will not be illness. We won't even get sick to heal ourselves. But prior to that, we're going to be learning more and more about how to heal ourselves so that we will eventually reach the place where we don't even get sick. Um, I do believe that's going to happen ultimately. Will it happen in my lifetime? I don't know. But I do know that in my own lifetime, I have experienced amazing things with the body. Now, I will also say there are a lot of uh, of us out there who are, are, are spiritual seekers who are talking about out-of-body experiences and uh, generating a lot of interesting information about out-of-body experiences. This has sort of taken less of a of a fad kind of uh, of mentality about it recently and become more of just sort of the average everyday conversation. As a matter of fact, people will use those terms out-of-body experience when they get upset. Oh, I had an out-of-body experience. I was so upset. Um, and uh, so that's interesting that that's come into the everyday vernacular of a lot of people. But uh, out-of-body experiences are informative as well. So what does that mean when we call it out-of-body? Is it really out-of-body? What is the body experiencing when the soul is out of it or seems to be out of it, when the essence of who we think we are is out of it? I think that would be interesting um, we talk about being able to be two places at one time when we're out of the body. I think it would be interesting to be both in the body and out of the body to see what that would feel like, to see what the body's doing while while the other part is out there wandering around the universe. Um, we, I, I, so thus far, I haven't seen any studies of that kind of of of, of dual kind of placement where we're two places at once. Um, in the body and out of the body, uh, have, I have seen studies about non-locality where people can be more than one place on planet Earth at the same time. I have seen some of those studies and Deepak Chopra and others talk a lot about that. But I, I, I think the non-local experience has to include the body. And so I do think that we've got a long way to go when it comes to understanding what the body really is all about. Uh, it's not just a temporary car, you know. I've heard super people explain it. Actually, Dr. Weiss explained it that way last week about we're driving a car and eventually the car gets old and we go buy a new car. That's what incarnations are like. We, we live in the body for this period of time and then we sell that body and go get a new one. Uh, and I think that's an interesting way of looking at it and I think it has some validity, but I don't think it's the whole truth. And we're going to talk about more about that whole truth right after the break. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We mentioned before the break that we were uh, uh, talking about body as incarnation from in, from one incarnation to the other. Dr. Brian Weiss said last week that a good way to describe reincarnation was to say that, you know, to, to compare it to the purchase of a car. You buy the car, you live with it for several years, it, it starts go, falling apart, and you trade it in for a new model. And that's kind of what it's like to have a reincarnation, and I, I do think that has some validity to it. Although, I would say that's not enough to explain what it is that we're doing here. If the body is a part of the paradigm, not just a piece of junk or a piece, uh, a piece of metal we're riding around in, um, then it is a part of our journey. This body that I am in right here, right now, is a part of my journey. So just to say that it's just a car I'm driving means all I have to do is keep it clean and, and fill it up with gas and do the maintenance checks every, you know, whatever, three months or whatever. Uh, it doesn't mean anything more than that. So I would take it deeper, one step deeper. And, I, uh, again, I don't want to uh, say anything about Dr. Weiss's analogy. I think it's valid but limited. I think that we need more information about what the body's really doing here. And one way to find out about what the body's really doing is to get in touch with the body. Um, there's lots of ways to do that. One of the one of the ways that I like to think about is and have done many times in my life is body movement. To just be silent and meditate while moving the body. That can be in the form of dance. It can be in the form of just moving. It can be in the form of yoga. But whatever to be able to be in a meditative state while moving the body allows us to be in soul, in body at the same time and get information from both. Most of us that are listening out there have some information about what it's like to meditate. 
And uh, uh, so what we have come to understand is that when we are in a meditative state, there is this downloading that happens. There's, uh, um, And it, we may not even be aware of it at the time, but when we come back into ourselves after the meditative state, we have more information than we had before we started. We may have more information about some kind of psychological thing that has been going on that we missed, that we now understand. We may have universal energy about what's going on here on planet Earth. We may have information about the body. Um, and so what the meditative state does is put us in touch with our deeper consciousness, puts us in touch with the soul, which I think is synonymous with our deeper consciousness. And... Um, the soul gives us information. In that same way, the body can also give us information. Um, you know, we, we talk about how the body might have a pain that tells us something. So we get a toothache and we say, okay, it's time for me to go to the dentist. And we go to the dentist and the dentist says, yep, you need a root canal. So let's get that taken care of. Okay, so now we know we've, we've, we had a problem. It's being healed. And the only way the body had to tell us that was to give us pain. Okay, so that's one way that all of us on planet Earth know about. But there's other ways. So if I'm doing body movement and meditation at the same time, the body might tell me something even wiser about my instincts. Um, Now, instinct is different from intuition. Instinct is the animal part of us. Instinct is body only. Um, Intuition is kind of a merging of body and soul. So that you know stuff, you didn't know how you knew it, but you know it, and it's real. turns out to be real. You might check it out and find out, yep, indeed it was real. Little little ways of uh, of proving that in the day would be guessing who's on the phone when they call. And, and you pick up the phone and, yep, that's who it is. They they called just like you thought it was them. Uh, so so that's that's intuition. Instinct is different. Instinct is a uh, – it's – it's almost like the mirror of your bones. It responds without us thinking. It bypasses thought. Um, and meditation is another thing that bypasses thought. So we, we can get into a meditative state and be able to supersede thinking and go into another place where thought isn't thought. We're aware of things, but it's not thinking. We're not generating thought. We're generating awareness. And there's a difference. Um, so in the same way, when we become aware of body instinct, we, we get deeper in touch with the body as it performs singularly in its own wisdom of its own accord. Why is my heart beating the way it's beating over and over again? Does it have a certain number of beats and then it just stops? Or is there something else animating my heart to push it to keep beating? I mean, I could say I would surrender to my heart, and that's what we kind of can do in a meditative state. We can sort of surrender to the body and let the body talk to us. So we say, okay, I'm surrendering to my body. Therefore, my body, my heart uh, is going to keep doing what it does. But actually, the heart's going to keep doing whether it does what it does, whether I surrender to it or not. So my body can function of its own accord. What is that all about? And we can get in touch with what that's all about 
by through meditation that is body meditation as well as mind meditation or spiritual meditation. We can do that through body movement that is also meditation. And we get skeins of information that uh, unfold before us and we go, okay, that is what my body is telling me. And my body is giving me information about an instinct that loves me, that is connected to me in a deep, abiding, loving, nurturing, mothering way that is just amazingly profound. And we can't get that information without having accessed it. And a way to access it is, is through the body movement that is also uh, uh, meditation. So sometimes I have just turned on some instrumental music at home and just danced without thought, without anything. I'm not trying to figure out what my step is going to be. I let my body do whatever it wants to do. And I end up on the floor in a sweat, unable to move, and I'm still meditating. And my body has now informed me of something unique about movement, about the the power of my soul to in, to be a part of the body movement, the power of my body to be a part of its own movement. Um, so these are the things that our body can inform us of and that are so unique and so profound that we just can't get it by thinking of the body as an instrument of the soul. The body is so much more than just something we drive uh, and and then sell out and get a new body. It is so much more than that. And so we have been in the habit over the centuries of reducing the body to something less, far less than what it is. It's not just our image. It is not how we promulgate ourselves in the world. Although uh, people who have done psychological studies on public opinion will clearly inform us that those people who are uh, what is considered to be stereotypically good-looking have a good quote-unquote good body image and a good face, um, those people get more um, of the world's business. In other words, they get it's easier for them to, to get from the world what they need, the money, the houses, the cars, the jobs, the whatever that they need because they're good-looking. That doesn't say anything at all about body image. It says something about our judgments. It says something about our tolerance. It says something about what we assume to be good looking and what we don't. I, I often think about Star Trek when I think about good looks because all of those weird looking creatures they had on Star Trek that were not what we consider to be good looking, but in their, in their, uh, when they looked at each other, wow, they were just so hot. They were good looking. And, uh, so, you know, beauty truly is in the eye of the, of the beholder. There are certain people, certainly people out there who say that this kind of thing is beauty and this kind of thing is not beauty. And um, so we, we've we made some decisions about what that means and certainly we're, we're promulgating that image. And one of the things we're doing with that is we're saying everyone should look just alike. Everyone should look like Tom Cruise or, or you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. They should not look like themselves. Uh, everybody should have the same body type. Everybody should have the same facial look. Everybody should have the same length of hair. Everybody should have the same kind of hair. You know, nobody should be bald. Nobody should be obese. Nobody should be uh, 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 round, round or rotund is the way I'd like to talk about that instead of obese because some people are obese and it's unhealthy, but some people just have a more natural uh, body image that's a little bit more rounded off and not so squared and angular as, as the skinny person is. So we have all these judgments, but 
What is that body form saying about that soul? Uh, so what is my body, when I look in the mirror, what is my body telling me about my soul? That's an interesting paradigm we don't usually think about. If my body is inside my soul and my soul is inside my body, then uh, what is going on with that oneness? What What is that about? Um, when I do Reiki, I'm a master Reiki therapist, and when I do Reiki, uh, I can literally feel energy tingling in my hands and my fingers. Um, and very often the people that are receiving the Reiki say that they can feel heat or cold or some shift in their body sensations. Now, some people might say that that's all in our imagination and that's just bogus and we've just made that up because we're, we're, you know, you can make your body feel certain things. Maybe, maybe we can make our body feel certain things. I don't know. I can't say for sure. I can say, though, that this happens uh, frequently, and it happens on a level that is felt by both parties, and it makes a difference. Uh, it has a healing energy. I can't say that I'm going around healing people all the time. I won't say that, but I will say that it has a healing energy. All healing is self-healing, so I don't have the power to heal another person. But... Uh, I do say it has a healing energy, and uh, the people that I've worked with will say the same thing. What is it about astrology? What's going on with astrology when uh, a planet impacts a person's life or several planets and their alignments impact a person's life? What's going on with that? Is that matter that is ensouled, or is it just a fluke and people are just being crazy to even believe it? Because there's certainly a lot of... Uh, scientists out there who would say astrology is just bunk. Um, I'm not one of those. I'm certainly somebody who thinks that astrology does have some merit. I don't think it's the end-all and be-all, and I do think we can supersede astrology with our own soul energy, but I, but I do think it has merit. And um, so as we're evolving, what astrology tells us, I believe, is the challenges of our lives. What's going on in my life? Um, and, and, and it helps me figure out what my soul is trying to give me about that. What, what is, what am I doing in this incarnation to evolve closer and closer to who I am as divine soul? Um, but I believe the body is a part of that evolution. So, uh, does that mean the body is also evolving? Will my body form change in another life because I've evolved in this life? Those are interesting questions and I don't have the answer. But I think they need to be asked. And I think that as time goes by and we study more and more about incarnation, we'll, we might begin to be able to track one person from one life to the next. be interesting to see if that could happen. But in the meantime, what we have is the information that is given to us by the body about the soul. And information that is given to us by the soul about the body. And if we ignore the body and say, well, it's just an, the instrument of my you know, work. I take it to work every morning. I go jogging every morning and I hit the clock and I hit the, you know, uh, subway and I take my newspaper under my arm and I go to work and I do my job and I come home and I eat and I run or exercise some more and I might sit down with a cold beer and a TV show and then I go to bed and I sleep and I get up and I, that's what I do with my life because my body is the mule I'm kicking to carry the load of me. But actually my body might be being ignored to my detriment. Sometimes I think our, desire, our diseases are just efforts of the body to get in touch with us. I can't say that's always true. 
I don't have an always. I, there's too much mystery out there for me to say that I know when I'm talking about, about anything really. But I do believe that there have been times in my own life, and I've certainly seen it in other people's lives, where where a disease came about as a way of saying, hello, pay attention to me. I'm here. I'm, I have information for you. I have something to tell you about what you're doing. I have something to tell you about your soul. I have information for you. Turn around and look at me. Uh, so when we get in touch with the body at those times, we might be uh, not only healing ourselves, but getting informed about something that's far deeper than we had imagined previously. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about this last little feature of body right after the break. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back with our last segment today, talking about the body as soul. Not the body and soul, the body as soul. Uh, we've talked about all kinds of things in this, in this show today, about all the different agendas we have for body, all the ways that body has been accused of being the problem in our lives, uh, all the ways that uh, we could rethink what we're doing with body, and some of the ways to get in touch with body as soul. Um, and I said just before the break that we were going to talk about that last little feature of body. Um, in the beginning, we said, what we said was the reason we chose a body was because we wanted to bring soul into form. We wanted to bring soul into matter. 
And uh, we had to ask all kinds of questions about what it means to be in form. And so that's why we're, we've been living out this duality trance state for centuries now as a part of our creative journey to finally get to the end of all of our questions and have the answers where we say, okay, body, matter, they're, they're all the same as soul. Soul is now in matter and matter is now in soul. How that will change the body and the ma- and matter itself, not real clear. That'll be a mystery till we get there. But I do think there'll be an evolution that takes place. It'll be interesting. But uh, that last little thing about body is critical. And that last little thing is this limitation. That's a word we do not want to think about in this new age, new, uh, new thought movement, is it? We don't want to think about limitation at all. We want to think life is abundant and expansive and, you know, we, we should have all the things we want and dream about and, and the law of attraction was, uh, was, came into awareness back in the early nineties with Esther and Jerry Hicks and Rhonda Byrne with the secret and, uh, all there is is supposed to be abundance and anything that has anything to do with limitation has to do, is, is bunk. It's just not true. And yet, here we are in this limited body. Uh, we, we, in the body, we can't, you know, fly off to, uh, I wish I could have. I, you, most of you know that I was gone for a couple of weeks. My daughter had a beautiful baby boy and I'm very happy and thrilled about him and, and my daughter and her husband are very happy as well. And, um, but, if I could have, and if I could right this minute, I would just go right over there to where they are. They live 3,000 miles from me. I would just go right there right now in my body. Uh, I think I can do that in my soul, and I often do. But in my body, no. The body is limited. I have to get on an airplane and go those 3,000 miles. I can't get there any other way. So the body is limited. Um, um, what... What does that mean? What is the body limitation? What does that mean to us here in terms of body information and soul information? Well, as part of the journey into an exploration of what form means, we have to experience the limitation of form because form does mean this is here now. It's not there later or or now. It's not in two places at once, not as a body. Uh, by location that people talk about is not necessarily body stuff. It's not my body is here and there. It's that my soul and my mind are here and there. I may look like a body in both places, but actually it's my soul and my mind that are in both places. So, um, so the body's limitations are interesting. Eventually, Maybe we will, because soul and body are united, we will be able to bilocate in body. And maybe there are some people who are doing that now. I certainly can't say that's not true. But I, I will say that um, the limitation that the body gives us is also expanding our awareness. Because we are limited to a certain place and a certain time and a certain family and a certain uh, way of living in this duality trance state, what happens is we are confronted with things we cannot escape. And because we cannot escape them, we must deal with them. And it is in that very dealing with them that we expand our awareness of who we are. So there is a very powerful purpose in limitation. So limitation is not a bad thing. Although many of us in the New Age worship movement will just... uh 
you know, eschew that name. That is just a terrible, we don't talk about limitation. We don't want to think about limitation. And yet Carl Jung told us that as we evolve, limitation is one of the things we really have to deal with. And I think he was right. Limitation means my body has a certain structure. Its genetic code has a certain structure. Maybe I can change that as time goes by with through soul and body work. Uh, but right now it has a genetic structure. I have a certain bone structure. Um, uh, I have a certain way of looking that's similar to the rest of my family. Um, and I also have a certain place that I live and I can't leave there without my car or my horse or my feet or my, <laughs> or my airplane or my train or my something. I have to have something to help me get where else I'm going. Um, and, um, so that, that limitation helps me be in touch with where I am right here, right now. It helps me take in this moment right here, right now, and and decide what I'm going to do with it. Am I going to junk that moment, or am I going to really tune into it and find its essence? Those are the those are the things that limitation presents us that I'm thinking might not be able to be presented any other way. So in this journey through the duality trance state. Our evolution is dependent also on the body. And to think otherwise is to, to say, well, I don't need that body. I, I can dismiss that. It's not important. And so many times, sadly, I hear New Age, New Thought people doing that very thing, dismissing the body as if it has no merit. And, uh, and, and while the secular world may use the body as a, a sort of mule to push their lives through, or as a as an image maker to say I'm skinny or I'm beautiful or I'm whatever so that I can get where I want to get in life, uh, that that's one way to misuse the body. Another way to misuse the body is to say that it has no other merit than to just be a vehicle for this life. It's just a bunch of metal and rubber, and that's all it is. <laughs> no, it's far far more than that. So I would encourage you all to try to. Get in touch with what your body is trying to tell you because it has loads of information for you. And next week, we're going to be talking to Robert Foreman. He's coming back again to the show, author of Enlightenment, It Ain't All That It's Cracked Up To Be. And we're going to be talking about relationship and how to drop relationship into the real and soulful kind of relationship. So you don't want to miss that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.